0: Occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. Hey, welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. This is episode 53. I'm Abby. I'm Kate, and we'll be your ghostesses, even though the winter is
1: royally screwing me over it's so cold it is very cold it's december 1st Ooh. one step closer to the festive season well i guess this is the festive season but you know what i mean one step closer to
0: christmas for me because that is what i celebrate
1: yes what are you talking about today kate
0: this week i'll be covering a listener request that draws on my background in psychology the stamford prison experiment
1: I'm a psychologist. Does everybody know? <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: hi. Um, I'm really clever. Up is not. But <laughs> <laughs> Abby, what are you covering?
1: I'm covering the Russian sleep experiment. Ooh. It's two experiments. My one's not real. My it one is spooky. Is. My one, my, mine's
0: not spooky. It's just scary that humanity is this way.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so many things make me feel like that.
0: Yeah, a, a lot. Honestly, turn on the news, turn it off again immediately.
1: Yeah, avoid the news. Black Friday
0: sales—terrified of it. Oh, man, <laughs> awful though it is, it used to be a guilty pleasure
1: of mine to it's. see the hordes. Oh, I thought you meant to to do that, like to hit people with TVs and stuff. Oh my god, like, no! Like just to people watch
0: because people are crazy.
1: People, people are, are crazy.
0: insane. I love it. Like it's. Whenever you think, eh, could a zombie apocalypse really do that to our nation? Just look at the Black Friday deals, because yes, yes it can. And the amount of just crazy people that exist nowadays. Fair enough. It's, it's just an LG TV, put it down, hon. <laughs> it's not worth the fight. Um, before I tell you, you tell me you're first, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I'm news. I have news. Surprise. Oh my god, what's up? hey what's up hon? a mysterious monolith keeps appearing uh for Fun. those that don't really know what a monolith is uh big statue thing kind of like a pillar but like with no hat on with no hat yeah <laughs> where's your hat like a cowboy hat i mean like you know like the temples where you would have pillars like just the top is isn't on it it's just the pillar
1: this is this episode's already a mess itself
0: anyway uh, it was found in the desert of utah earlier this
1: month utah i think you mean ah uh, yes yeah, sorry utah. og fans will know that Go <laughs> back and listen to our old awful
0: episodes um but then it disappeared and suddenly it's just mysteriously reappeared in Romania, near an ancient site. So everyone's like, "Um, okay, when it was originally in Utah, but then just whatever, maybe it's a marketing campaign, is what this, I think I got this from Lab Bible, is what the news source said. But then why on earth is it in Romania? And also the police are after whoever's done it because it was put there without permission. It was like glued to the spot And it's by some, like, old Romanian ruins.
1: imagine it's the aliens, and they're like, oh my god, quick, the police are after us.
0: (laughs) But it's nine foot tall. It's big. Yeah. It is interesting. It is. I mean, if it is a marketing campaign, tell us what you're marketing, hon. People think it could be, like, a movie, I think, from what I've seen on the internet. Oh, really? Like a a sci-fi movie. Still, though, wouldn't you have got permission from, like, local places? Or, like, not just chopped it on a ruin? I guess... Does seem a
1: bit it's marketing or it's aliens, I mean, who else is it?
0: yeah, well, everyone was like, Ah, oh, it's one of the crappy Romanian um, blacksmiths we've got, I think, um because it's shot together not very well. it's not exactly like a sleek triangle pyramid thing, it's like welded poorly at the sides and joined just awfully, so everyone was like, ah oh, it's just it's just him <laughs> fair enough, so There's the weird news. What do you think? Let us know.
1: Yeah, let us know. What do you think, Kate?
0: I think probably marketing, right? Or just like some absolutely madman blacksmith has just been like, here you go. Maybe do you think it's aliens? Probably not, because I feel like whenever it's alien things, it's always like, whenever I believe it could be an alien, it's always done pretty well. Like the actual statue or whatever is pretty perfectly made. Fair enough. So, yeah. the fact that it is made poorly, I'm like, would an alien be like, here you go?
1: It's awful. It's trash. Space trash. It's like, um, you know when a kid makes you a car with pasta on it, and it's not very good, but you have to be like, oh my god, thank you so much, this is the best art I've ever seen. It's like that, but with aliens. I did that for you. Let's get right into our stories. <laughs> so, today I'm talking about the Russian sleep experiment. So, my sources are Creepypasta Wiki, Wikipedia, Snopes, and News.com. Before we get into this, I do want to clarify that if you haven't heard of this story, it is not a real thing. Don't start panicking.
0: I wish you'd have said that at the end because I've heard of this. I was around when it was around on the internet. So, I wish you'd have saved that till last. Like, people are sat there crying, they're like clutching their children. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it's not real. I'm sorry for disappointing you. Got it. Yeah, but it it went viral a good few years ago, and it is very scary, or at least it was for me when I was the grand old age of 13. Yeah, spooked me out. And people thought it was real for a good while. Yeah.
0: Some probably still do. Well, it's like Slender Man, isn't it, when that became a thing and everyone was like, oh, this is just real, I guess
1: yeah exactly well i think that's the thing with really good creepy stories like urban legends or cre- creepy pastors i guess as they're known online because they seem so real and they usually have like well photoshopped images with them mm. which makes you kind of yeah question it. i remember when i was a kid um when we talked about slender man we obviously probably also talked about this but with the photos that come with it when i was like 12 and i saw slender man i was like oh my god this is so creepy and then you see the pictures and you're like well this has to be real yeah definitely because what else would that be
0: yeah. Yeah. You, I feel like you don't really accept that someone could have doctored
1: that image. Well, exactly. And when I was a kid, I didn't really understand like editing photos.
0: And as well, I feel like sort of when we were 13, the internet was kind of, there were less stories and less lies online. True. Because True. like everything was kind of, I mean, it had been established for like a little while. We're not You know, this isn't back in the early 2000s, but like it was kind of just more of a place where you would go to get your homework done. You know what I mean? You would go for like information or you would go to catch up with friends. There was no like, now you've got sort of Reddit and the whole creepypasta forums and everything. Like it wasn't really a place where you go even, I didn't even know they existed. Like I wouldn't go to seek them out,
1: but I feel like there
0: were way less of them.
1: Yeah. I feel like you just hear it from your friend. Yeah. And then you give it a quick Google and freak yourself out. Definitely. So this story originated on August 10th, 2010 by a user named Orange Soda. We don't know the real name of the person who made the story, even to this day, which is wild because this is such a popular story and they just never came forward. It's Orange Soda, you fools. That's the first name Orange. Second name Soda. (laughs) It was posted to a forum that asked for people to send in and create the scariest urban legend that they could. And this story actually got so popular that there's a feature film in the works about it at the minute. Wow, that's exciting. So let me tell you the urban legend. It's a little gross, it's a little gory. It's awful. Yeah, it's a bit (laughs) freaky. (laughs) So, Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and 5-inch-thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water, and a toilet, and enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely, that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Could you not sleep for 30 days? No, I don't even think that's possible, is it? Probably not, I think you'd just pass out.
0: Yeah, um, I imagine it like in the sims when your sleep need is so low yeah you just collapse but no I stayed awake for I think it was 30 hours once and it was the worst time of my life I was so you know when you kind of regress to being like a toddler and everything upsets you and you don't know why you're so upset I get that when I'm outside for too long yeah you don't want anything I just want to be left alone like I don't no, what's wrong <laughs> and it's horrible
1: when you're past the point of time you're just like oh i want to go to sleep but i can't and at that point you understand my baby scream
0: yeah 100 percent.
1: anyway the conversations and activities were monitored and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the fourth day mark i feel like that's really legit it's like when you get drunk
0: uh-huh. at a party. Well, not even that. If you're at a sleepover, you know, it starts yeah. off with like,
1: oh, let's talk
0: about who you're with, you know, who have you got a crush let's on. talk about boys. Yeah. And then like by 3am, you're like, this one
1: time. <laughs> yeah. At like 8pm, you're like, oh my God, let's get takeaway. And then it hits one and you're like, this is why I'm unable to, like, love. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then it hits three and you're, you're a toddler.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just me and you hanging out. <laughs> that's... Every single night, That's This why we're not allowed to do sleepovers, Kate. <laughs> After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were, and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other, and began alternately whispering into the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think they-, they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other, the other subjects in captivity with them, At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber repeatedly, yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but he was only able to produce occasional squeaks. The researchers thought that he'd physically torn his vocal cords. The most surprising thing about his behaviour was how the other captives reacted to it, or rather, they didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming from the room with five people inside. Mm -hmm. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would never do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives they were afraid they were dead or vegetables. They announced, we are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor, or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice respond. We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day, The chamber was flushed of all the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of their loved ones to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened, and soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the centre of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies, the destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips, indicated that the wounds were heavily inflicted with hands rather than teeth, as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the positions and angles of the wounds indicated that most of them, if not all of them, were self-inflicted. The abdominal organs below the ribcage of all four test subjects have been removed, while the heart, lungs and diaphragm remained in place. The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the ribcage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact, and they'd just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could also seem to be working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they'd ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Many of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber, and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on, lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out, another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off, and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth. Another five of their soldiers lost their lives, if you can't want to committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured, and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than ten times the human dose of morphine, and still fought like like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arms of one of the doctor. Doctors. When the heart was seen to beat for a full two minutes, after he'd bled out to the point where there was more air in his system than blood, Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility, the two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room the facility had, In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was efficiently immune to the sedative they had given him to prepare him for surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints. It took only a little more aesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles were still attached to his body, were badly torn, and he had nine broken bones. Most of them were from the force of his own muscles that he'd exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group to start screaming. His vocal cords were destroyed, and he was unable to beg or object to surgery. He only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anaesthetic gasp was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested, reluctantly, that they try surgery without anaesthetic and did not react to the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them back with what remained of his skin. The surgeon stated repeatedly that it should be medically impossible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she'd never seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly attempted to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write down his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anaesthetic as well. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. So the subjects were paralysed. Once paralysed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. But they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak again, they were asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they'd injured themselves, why they ripped out their own guts, why they wanted to remain in the gas again. Only one response was given: I must remain awake. All three test subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber, awaiting determination as to what would be done with them. The researchers, facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the goals of their project, considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but they were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three of them stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. He was the first to be wired for EEG and most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves, in surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of a deep sleep, and then flatlined for the last time, as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brainwave showed the same flatlines as one who'd just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal him in the chamber, with the other subject inside, as well as three researchers. One of the three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point-blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed, as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. "'I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you,' he screamed at the man strapped to the table. "'What are you?' he demanded. "'I must know.' The subject smiled. "'Have you forgotten so easily?' the subject asked. "'We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all. Begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night.' We are what you sedate your silence into paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where you cannot tread. The researcher paused. He aimed the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined, the subject weakly choked out, so nearly free. I hate that. You hate it? I hate it so much. I find it funny that I thought it was legit as a kid. You do, that when you're a kid, don't you? Because you don't understand that people can just write things like that on the internet. Yeah, right. I think when you're a kid, everything isn't in a book. You don't think it's a story. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, especially when it's a creepypasta, because they all pretend to be real. Yeah, they all have photos and stuff. Yeah, so... Wow. It was cool to rehear it, because obviously I haven't heard it in, like, ten years. So.
1: Yeah, that's what I got when I I obviously, like took it from the original source and then read through it and I was like, oh yeah, throwback. <laughs> good memories of being afraid. Mm, maybe not good memories, but definitely, it's definitely an amazing
0: piece of writing.
1: Oh yeah, very interesting. What's your favourite creepypasta or urban legend? Hmm. Well, I think...
0: I don't really know because it depends what you class as a... An urban legend. You know what I mean? Like, some people swear that, like, skinwalkers are real. Other people claim it's just a creepypasta. True. Fair enough. So, I don't really know. I love skimwalkers. I love the idea of them. I, you know, I'm not going to say I hope they're real, because they are a bit horrific. But I think they're definitely the most interesting urban legend I've come across.
1: Yeah, they're pretty... Pretty interesting. This one is the most viral creepypasta. Um, it has a th- a total of sixty four thousand shares. Wow. Yeah. It feels like it went more viral than that in a way. I know. I feel like everyone's heard of this, but also, I just can't believe that someone wrote that, got sixty four thousand shares, and then was just like, and people are making films, and they're just like, no. Nah. Yeah, I don't want the credit. I guess it keeps it more like spooky and anonymous. Yeah, and as well, like, if you just wrote it, like,
0: you know what I mean, 10 years ago, are you going to be like, it's me?
1: Yeah, probably not. (laughs) How would you even go about doing that? Exactly,
0: like, how are you even going to prove it? I probably wouldn't remember the frickin' password.
1: (laughs) Right. Maybe they don't, and that's why they can't get back in, and they're just like, They're livid, they're trying every
0: single day. I wrote this!
1: Could you imagine? Give me sweet, sweet validation. (laughs) (laughs) Me. All right, do you want to do the scare scale? Sure. All right. How scary is this story?
0: It's like a good four and a half. It kept me up for like a little while when I was a kid. So, obviously now it's not super scary, but I feel like I've been exposed to a lot more scary media.
1: Definitely. And real scarier stuff. As Definitely, well, rather yeah. Than like, ooh, exactly. Spooky, non-sleeping people, zombies. In
0: terms of a scary story, it's very scary.
1: Yeah how dangerous
0: none because it's not real
1: (laughs) likelihood zero well i mean what's the likelihood
0: that like something similar has happened you know maybe without uh the amount of goriness have there probably been sleep experiments yeah have they probably ended badly yeah so i'm gonna say like a one and a half something similar has probably happened yeah
1: any other ideas or just a fun internet story?
0: I think, just a, I think all I'm going to say is a fun internet story because I do not want to believe it could be any more than a fun internet story.
1: I completely respect that. <laughs> I completely respect that. Fair. Okay, I'm going to plug us now. You mean you
0: haven't had enough of talking?
1: Oh, I wish I could just stop talking. Right?
0: <laughs> I wish I could just shut the fuck up, but I can't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you like the podcast and you want to go follow us on social media, you can do that at Myth's Magic Pod on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We are doing a little festive countdown on Woo! our social media from today. Surprise. Uh,
0: this yeah. is your day 1 advent calendar.
1: Yes. Um We're doing that on Instagram, I think, but we might do it on other social media if people like it. We'll see. Sure. Also, if you want to support us on Patreon and give us a little dollar dollar for your uh, holla holla. God, God, shut up. But you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Murder.
0: Over on Patreon, we don't have any tears. Uh, We've got quite the little squad going at the minute, don't we? It's quite nice. Very wholesome. Yeah. Uh, We tell you guys what the episode's going to be in advance. We do like some extra little stories, you get 10% off our merch, which you can get on missmagicmurder.com, and it's just a really nice time, it's a wholesome time, you can chat to us, we can chat to you, do whatever you want. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Also, if you have any terrifying tales, scary stories, or haunted happenings, you can email those over to us on mythsmagicandmurder at gmail.com.
1: Alright, one second...
0: Okay, so I'm going to get straight into mine. My sources are prisonexp.org, Wikipedia, simplypsychology.org, and thoughtco.com. Okay, so back in 1973, a guy called Zimbardo got with a group of his colleagues and decided he wanted to know more about prison mentality. For those that don't know, uh, Zimbardo, Philip Zimbardo, was born in 19... 33, I think I wrote 1993. I don't know why, because I do not know how on earth he was doing a study in the '70s. Well, it's going well for me. He was born in New York City in some year. <laughs> Since then he's become a hugely influential psychologist. His background lies in social psychology, meaning the study of behavior, because that's what psychology is, of different groups of people rather than individuals. He's been a part of many notable psychology studies, one of which is, as I mentioned, the Stanford Prison Experiment. The experiment was originally set up to see why prison guards were reported to be pretty brutal in American prisons, whether the system was employing people who had a sadistic streak in their personality, which would be dispositional reasoning, as it would be the guards' disposition affecting their behaviour, or whether it was the environment of the prison itself causing the brutality, making it a situational factor. We're all on board, yeah. Sure. Psychology, big words. (laughs) I'm trying to explain them. Brain go (laughs) brr. Zimbardo originally theorized that it was the situation of the prison that made the guards act like this, so he set up the experiment. Let me just give you guys a quick disclaimer about psychology. The ethics of psychology is so much better today than it was in the 70s. There are so many forms you have to fill out you have to get an ethical agreement before starting a study so that it can be recognized by psychologists and actually, like, published. Uh, to give you an idea, if you're going to work with anyone, let alone a vulnerable population, you need to informed consent. What is that? You may be asking. Basically, you can't be like, hey, you want to do my study? Yeah, Great. That, that is not informed consent. I mean, I guess they've given you consent. But you kind of need to give like a bit of a basis, a rough idea of what the study is going to be on without telling them too much that they act how they think you want them to act. You with me? Yes. Also, you can drop out whenever you'd like uh, in a study nowadays. Um, and researchers have to give a debrief explaining what happened and why it happened and give like helpline numbers and stuff. Obviously back in the 70s, psychologists didn't really care if they gave you long-lasting trauma, they just wanted to see what would happen. So in 73, Zimbardo put out an advert in the newspaper asking for young men to take part in a psychology study looking at prison life, and they'd be paid a handsome £15 per day.
1: Don't trust that.
0: It works out to around $88 in money nowadays. So $88 a day.
1: That's pretty good.
0: Exactly. Exactly. The newspaper ad got 75 responses back. So the team filtered out candidates with psychological issues, medical disabilities, or a history of crime or drug abuse. This wasn't so that... Basically, it was just so that they had a very similar population all around, and people wouldn't act differently because of their past experience in, like, prison, or, like, whatever. They were assigned to either a guard group or a prisoner group, just by chance. And there were 24 people in general, because they filtered the others out. They were all men, all middle class, all reasonably intelligent, and there were ten prisoners, eleven guards, two reserves, and one dropped out. So, let's get to the theatrics of it all. The juice. So none of the men even knew if they'd been selected for the study. Zimbardo had been talking to the local police, and they'd agreed to arrest all of the men, just the prisoners, not the guards, off the street without warning. They were told they were being arrested for armed robbery and burglary, and then they were put in the back of the police car, taken to the station, given their Miranda rights, fingerprinted, etc., mugshots, the whole shebang. That's terrifying. And they were left blindfolded in a holding cell.
1: Love that. Wow, fun. Sounds healthy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I know. We're off to a great start. Then they were taken to Stanford's psychology department, although it looked completely different. Basically... What they'd done is they had the corridor of the department and they had changed all of the doors to the lab rooms with doors that had steel bars and cell numbers, so it looked like a prison. The corridor itself was referred to as the yard where prisoners could walk, eat and exercise and that was it. Apart from that, they were just in their cell. They had to be blindfolded and led to the toilet by guards when they needed it. And a small storage cupboard was turned into solitary confinement. There weren't any windows or clocks so they could not tell how much time had passed. And there was an intercom in every room which kind of bugged it so that they could see if anything was going, going down but also to give like announcements. When the prisoners were escorted into the prison they were strip searched, sprayed down as if to like delice them and they were put in uniforms that were similar to a dress as a form of humiliation. And it had their inmate number on. The numbers were the only way prisoners could talk about themselves or other inmates. Names weren't allowed at all. They also had to put a stocking over their hair,
1: you know, like tights. Yeah, but <laughs> like stockings. I always imagine it like a, you know, like a Christmas stocking. Yeah, I know. And I, that's like, why wow. I got in there
0: quick. I'm like flesh-colored stocking.
1: No, I know what it is, but like <laughs> when you say it like that, I'm like Ooh, fun hat.
0: Yeah. To mimic shaving their heads, and a chain was locked around one ankle. Guards, on the other hand, had to wear sunglasses to prevent eye contact and khaki shirts and trousers. The role of the uniforms uh, was just to test Zimbardo's idea of de which is when members of a group will act differently because they're no longer seen as individuals. They're, t- they're seen as like a group.
1: Right. How did they get the guards in? Or do they just say, you've been chosen for this?
0: Yeah, they just say, you've been chosen for this.
1: Did they know that the other people were... Not actually prisoners?
0: Yeah. Right, okay. They were told there was going to be like some danger um, because obviously you're dealing with people and like the researchers couldn't really interfere too much. But yeah, they knew that they could have been assigned to either group because one of the guards actually wanted to be a prisoner when they were going in in the first place. So he was like a really nice guard. The guards also had batons to give a sense of fear to the prisoners. So, day one, nothing really happened. Everyone just came in, got used to their roles, the environment they were in. Now, although the guards had been given no training at all, whatsoever, they were just told to do whatever they could to control the prisoners, they had come up with their own set of rules. I don't really know what all of them are. I only know one. I mention it later, but... Then at 2.30am, there was a count, where all the prisoners had to rattle off their numbers and be counted by the guards. Apparently, this happened... Kind of often happened a few times a shift, and the shifts were eight hours long for the guards, so. The prisoners weren't taking it too seriously yet, and obviously resented being woken up for a count at 2.30am on your first night in prison. As you would. So the guards doled out push-ups as a punishment, because they weren't taking it seriously, they were messing around, and they'd been told to stay in control. Zimbardo, <laughs> being an absolutely bloodthirsty man, was like, this is a juvenile punishment. Maybe we should stop it. But then they realized that actually push-ups kind of sucked and were used as a punishment in Nazi concentration camps. So they were like, okay, well, we'll let it happen then because it obviously happens in real life. Also, one of the guards would step on the prisoners' backs or make others other prisoners sit on their back while they did it to make it way harder day two was the time of rebellion the prisoners were pissed off that they'd been counted had to do push-ups at two thirty in the morning so the people in cell one had blocked their door with the beds and took off their bald caps i guess <laughs> obviously the guards on shift came over but there was little they could do and the prisoners in cell one were taunting them so they immediately called for reinforcements as there were only three guards on shift at any one time and the night shift stayed on even though they didn't get paid for more hours to help. They got the fire extinguisher and sprayed carbon dioxide at the prisoners to get them away from the door. Um, obviously it's freezing cold. So Then they bashed the doors in on every single cell even the ones that weren't really doing it. Stripped all of the prisoners took their beds and harassed them all. We're on day two
1: yeah we're getting in deep very quickly
0: (laughs) to make sure rebellion didn't happen again because obviously that took all nine guards i think i said there were like 11 in total but it took nine guards to do all of that and obviously normally there were three guards on shift so they were like we kind of need to make sure this doesn't this doesn't occur every day because it's day two so one guard suggested mind games so they made one of the three cells a privilege cell. The privilege cell was for the three prisoners that were least involved in the rebellion and they got their beds and their uniforms back and could wash, which the others couldn't. They also got special food to eat and they had to eat it in front of the prisoners who had been told their food privileges were taken away. Then, the bad prisoners were put in the privilege cell and the good ones were put back in the other cell. This obviously confused everyone, and it was to make the prisoners think that the originally privileged had become informants.
1: This is so complicated for like no real reason.
0: Yeah, although they hadn't become informants.
1: Yeah. It basically was just a way
0: to split everyone up, make everyone not trust each other, and it worked immediately. Also from this point forward, the guards became more and more aggressive because they saw the prisoners as troublemakers rather than just people taking part in a study. They started to kind of like assign danger to them. From here, going to the toilet became a prisoner privilege and the guards left a bucket in each cell and would sometimes just leave it full. Whether the prisoners could smoke was regulated and their mail was censored, so it was pretty much just a prison
1: it's crazy, isn't it, that like, you can tell someone that they're in charge of people and like, for no real reason they'll just be like, okay, yeah, right." let me take this really seriously. I know, it's like, crazy. You know it's not. You know that's just Steve from down the road. Yeah, what that's you just a
0: guy. Yeah. Like, it could have been you. They decided who was going to be a prisoner and who was going to be a guard by the flip of a coin.
1: Exactly. Like, it's just insane that you would take it that seriously, that quickly as well. Yep. But I guess that's the point. Speaking
0: of legit prison, prisoner... 8612 was having a breakdown only 35 hours into the study starting. So he had a meeting with the guards to ask if he could leave. They then called him weak and offered him the choice to become an informant in exchange for being left alone by them. Then they told him to think it over and he was escorted back to his cell and he had another breakdown and he told all of the others, you can't leave, you can't quit. Because he tried and they just wouldn't let him.
1: That's horrific.
0: Yeah. It's honestly terrifying. I do not know what I would do in that in that instance.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Then 8612 would scream, see Red, completely lose his mind. He was just distraught entirely. The researchers realized he needed to leave, so they let him out. When Zimbardo was looking back at this, he realized he'd adopted the role of prison superintendent more than he'd realised. Because when 8612 started acting up, he thought he'd done it as a ruse to escape. Like he was a real prisoner. Wow. Yeah. So, as I said, Zimbardo was the the superintendent and one of his researchers was the warden. But they just took on those roles. They didn't even mean to. They were researching it. Yeah. And they just, yeah. they, They started thinking of it as a prison. That's crazy. On day three there was a visiting hour for families and friends. Since they didn't want the visitors to be horrified and take their loved ones with them, the guards forced the prisoners to wash, shave, and clean their cells. Everyone was fed a big dinner while music played through the intercom. It was a merry time. Even the visitors were made submissive by the study, as they were forced to sign in, wait half an hour, only go in groups of two, and constantly be under guard supervision. And nobody disagreed. Wow. No one at all. It's crazy.
1: That is crazy. Like, it's, especially if you're an outsider, surely you'd be like, this is just a psychology thing. No. Yeah. Just let me see my husband, you know?
0: Well, I remember when we were learning about it, we were learning about perceived authority. So, like, if someone dresses a certain way, you're just going to follow him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Unless maybe they thought that it was just like, oh, I don't want to, like, fuck up the study.
0: Well, they were complaining. Oh. But they all just did it.
1: Oh, that's... Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Some parents hated seeing their sons in a tired and distressed state, as you would, but instead of literally just taking them home with them, they appealed through the prison to Zimbardo to ask for the release of their sons. What? Yeah. At which point he was like... What's wrong with your son? Can he not handle it? Obviously. So that the son would stay in the study. And the parents were like, uh, yeah, of course he can. He's a strong boy. And they just left.
1: I'd be like, Mom, please. Yeah, right. I'd be like, call me
0: a weakling. Call me anything you want. Take me home. It's awful. After all the visitors had left, the guards caught wind of an escape plot. The guy they let out earlier, 8612, was rumoured to be gathering people to break in and get all of the other prisoners out. At this point, Zimbardo really didn't act like a psychologist. Instead of recording all of the events that day, he moved all of the prisoners up to the fifth floor, all of them blindfolded and chained together, while he sat alone and waited for the escape party. He was going to tell them that the experiment had finished and everyone was free. The escape was just a rumour and no one showed. Wait. What? Why? Why what?
1: Why did that happen? Why did he do that?
0: Because he wanted the study to keep going. He didn't want them to leave. Oh. So he was just going to straight up lie. So if 8612 came back in and was like, where are they? We're busting them out. He's going to be like, what are you talking about? It's over. Just go home.
1: What an absolute madman. I know
0: it's crazy and he says it all afterwards because one of these sites was his site and I got a lot of the information from the stuff he had written because obviously it was his psychology thing study so yeah and afterwards he was just like I was awful I just became a superintendent
1: at least he's self-aware I guess you kind of have to be yeah oh yeah
0: Then the prisoners were returned, obviously, because there was no escape party. The guards all felt humiliated, so made the prisoners do even more physical exercise and punishment, and made them do other menial tasks like scrubbing all of the toilets with their bare hands. The next day, a Catholic priest was brought in to talk to all the prisoners, obviously by Zimbardo. He basically said to all of the prisoners that they would need legal advice to get out of there. A lot of the prisoners took him up on the offer to contact their parents for legal aid. So, he did that just because, I guess, it mimics what happens in
1: prison. Fair enough.
0: Only one didn't want to see the priest, number 819. He said he wasn't well, and he wasn't eating, and he didn't need a priest, he needed a doctor. Then he broke down in tears when talking to Zimbardo and his squad. Zimbardo took his chain and cap off from here and told him to go rest in a room further down the corridor. In response to this, every single prisoner chanted in unison, Prisoner 819 is a bad prisoner. Because of what Prisoner 819 did, my cell is a mess, Mr. Correctional Officer. Hmm. 819 could hear the chanting, and Zimbardo realized this, and he went in, and he found him sobbing uncontrollably. He said, To the the boy, he was like, do you want to leave? Like, you can leave. At which point he said he couldn't leave because the others had called him bad. So he wanted to go back to prove that he wasn't bad.
1: Why does it matter, pal?
0: (laughs) At which point, Zimbardo said, this is a quote, listen, you are not number 819. You are, and then his name. And my name is Dr. Zimbardo. I am a psychologist, not a prison superintendent. And this is not a real prison. This is an experiment And those are students, not prisoners, just like you. Let's go. And then the boy just, like, stopped crying, looked up, just like... I think Zimbardo described it as, like, he woke up from a nightmare.
1: Yeah, like, revelation kind of thing.
0: And he was like, okay. And then he left. The next day was parole hearing day, where nearly every one of the prisoners said they would forfeit the money they'd earned just to go on parole. Wow. Wow. Then at the end, when they were told to return to their cells while the board thought about their requests, they all did, rather than just dropping out of the study, because they felt too powerless.
1: That's crazy.
0: Throughout the study, four of the prisoners had breakdowns. One of them developed a psychosomatic rash because he was told he wasn't granted parole. Others would fight with guards as a way to establish some form of individualism. But by the end, all of them had given up. Although, there was a new prisoner, 416, who showed rebellion in the end. He was brought in to replace 8612, and was horrified when he showed up. As you would be. Yeah, because he showed up a few days in, so he hadn't even, like, been broken down. He hadn't seen the riot or anything. He was just like, oh my god, like, people are shitting in buckets. He
1: must have been like, what is happening to you guys? Stop this.
0: So he went on a hunger strike to be like, stop doing this for the guards. And they tried so many ways to make him eat and just gave up in the end and chucked him in solitary confinement for three hours. Zimbardo predicted that he would be like a hero to the other prisoners because he had fire in him. However, they all shunned him because they saw him as a troublemaker and didn't want to be punished for him. The guards exploited this by saying 416 could be released from solitary if the others would give up their blankets for one night, or 416 would stay in solitary overnight. They didn't give up their blankets. So in the end, the researchers had to intervene to get him out of solitary. And the guard rule, when they started, when they made the rules, was that it was a maximum of one hour in solitary. Damn. On the fifth night... A parent phoned, asking... I can't
1: believe it's been less than a week, sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know, it's insane. On the fifth night, a parent phoned, asking Zimbardo to contact a lawyer, as the priest had gotten in touch with her. Zimbardo did, obviously telling the lawyer it was a study, and not a real prison. However, the whole thing made... He went in, the lawyer went in, and talked to the, the men... This whole thing made Zimbardo realise that it had all gone too far. So he ended the study that was supposed to be two weeks after six days. Part of the reason for this was because the guards had taken to abusing the prisoners in the middle of the night when they thought none of the researchers were looking. All of the guards were annoyed that the study was cut short and none of them asked for overtime pay or called in sick once.
1: That's fucked up, man.
0: And that's it. A tale of just awful things being done in the name of science. I'm sure none of, none of them forgot what was happening. And later, in an interview, one of the guards said, During the inspection, I went to cell 2 to mess up a bed which a prisoner had just made, and he grabbed me, screaming that he had just made it, and that he wasn't going to let me mess it up. He grabbed me by the throat, and although he was laughing, I was pretty scared. I lashed out with my stick and hit him on the chin, although not very hard, and when I freed myself, I became angry. So, like, it just kind of shows that people were just at their wits' end. You know what I mean? Yeah. After five days.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? Five days. I mean, I guess, like, as a psychologist, as fucked up as it was and as he was, really, by the sounds of it, there must be some kind of satisfaction in, like, in, like hypothesizing something and being like, oh, maybe this will happen. And then it happens so quickly. Definitely. Like, you must be like, oh, wow, I did that. But equally, like, oh, wow, I did that definitely
0: and like all of everyone the prisoners and the guards all felt awful like the guards were like oh my god like i was saying zimbardo was like oh my god i should have acted like a researcher you know the guards were like what have i done that is awful i can't believe i've done that
1: yeah you'd feel so guilty wouldn't you thinking of it all those people like you just been horrible to for absolutely zero reason definitely Well <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I it's feel like that was hard hitting. No, it's okay. I'd heard about it before, but like not in a good few years. Yeah. Not in like at least five, so very interesting.
0: That it is. Um not gonna do the scare scale because it happened.
1: Yeah. What is I mean I did the scare scale and mine didn't happen. What was that experiment where it was like a prison that was like a circle? With the tower in the middle. Do you know what I'm talking about? I
0: literally have no idea what you're talking about.
1: There was like, I'm sure it was a real thing. Maybe it was just a theory. I learned about it in college, but it was like um, a prison that is like kind of a hexagon or like a circle like with the cells around the inside, the outside of the circle, the inside of the circle. And then through the middle is like the watchtower. I don't have a clue what you're on about. Oh, one second. I'm going to, I'm going to Google this. A panopticon. Oh yeah, I've just
0: found that. I've not got a clue what it is.
1: Oh, we learned about it in uh, media. Actually, I cannot remember why, but it was because they'd built this thing, and I think now it's just some prisons. I'm not fully I'm fully sure. I'm sure you're reading it right now, but all of the cells would be around the inside of the circle, and there'd be like a, a guard tower in the middle, and the idea was like everyone will behave better because there's absolutely no way of knowing whether they're looking at you because they can look everywhere.
0: You know what's really interesting
1: is that that
0: theory, the panopticon, was made by Jeremy Bentham, who was an ethicist. He made um, the principle of utility and stuff, the greatest good for the greatest number. Right. He was the one that was like, um, he... It's just surprising that he would be coming up with like a basically a paranoia model for a prison when he's the one he's the one that where it's like would you save would you turn the car and kill four or
1: yeah keep going straight, kind of yeah,
0: wow, crazy, no, I'd never heard of that before yeah,
1: I remember we, we had to learn about it because it was just I think we were learning about like surveillance and stuff and it's just like you. I'm more likely to act better if you think someone's watching you, even if they might not be, you know?
0: Definitely. Well, it ties in, there was a study once, and it was, um, basically, you just... It was an honor system payment, and they did it by putting up a poster, and it was a poster of eyes in one, and then just a poster of, like, a cat in another or something. And in the one with the eyes, you kind of felt like someone was watching you, so you paid more than you thought the item was worth. But if it was just like a normal one, it was just, you just would either steal it or like not pay very much. Interesting. So, yeah, it's kind of that idea of being watched. I definitely think it's legit. Like,
1: oh, yeah, probably.
0: I always act better when I'm afraid someone's watching me. It's like when I drive in the car with my dad. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, I'm, I mean, I'm a good driver anyway, don't get me wrong. But I always do everything like I'm taking my driving test whenever my dad's in the car.
1: Yeah, you don't want someone to be like, that's wrong. Yeah. You're being a bad person. Definitely. Or whatever.
0: It's just embarrassing. I yeah, like.
1: I think that's what I have. I'm like, oh, that's all good. Yeah, cringe. Huh. Well, I've
0: learned a lot today.
1: Yeah, me too. Thank you, Kate.
0: Yeah, that's quite a ride. Thank you, Abby, and to all the listeners out there. Don't listen before bed.
1: Listen before bed.